0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther how the Jewish people had an unknown enemy in Haman and how we have a well-known enemy called Satan today. This message is available for free download on iTunes or at friendshipwithgod.org. We have some exciting news. Tom Cantor has finished his long-awaited Friendship with God Bible. It's a King James Bible with over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources, including 30,000 Bible column inline references, 12 custom-made full-color maps and full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map, not to mention incredible concordance and other Bible helps and references and commentary sections too numerous to name. And we're printing a limited supply of these on Finland thin paper printing technology. It'll be covered in lambskin leather. This commentary and reference Bible would be a $200 or more value. But we're offering this Tom Cantor Friendship with God commentary and reference Bible at less than $80. If you sign up today in advance for our first limited print run release, please call us at 1-800-247-3051. We'll add you to our list, one 800 247 3051. 1 247 3051. And we'd also like to encourage you to go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to donate online, friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program on your station in this city. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching message from Esther.
1: Now in the 12th month, that is the month Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution, in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them, the Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought their hurt, and no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all people. And all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and the officers of the king helped the Jews, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction, and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. Uh, and then we have these names here uh, that are um, all those names in uh, verses seven, eight and nine. And now starting 10, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the de- enemy of the Jews, slew not slew they, but on the spoil laid there not their hand. On that day the number of those that were slain in Shushan the palace was brought before the king, And the king said unto Esther, the queen, the Jews have slain and destroyed." 500 men at Shushan, the palace, and the 10 sons of Haman, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is thy position, and it shall be granted thee, and what is the request further, and it shall be done? Then said Esther, if it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews, that it, which are in Shushan, to do tomorrow, also according unto this day's decree. And let Haman's 10 sons be hanged upon the gallows. That would be their dead bodies. And the king commanded it so to be done, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten ten sons. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of the month of Adar, and slew three hundred men in Shushan. But on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies, and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand. But they laid not their hands on the prey. Now, So we're studying here in the book of of Esther, and really the book of Esther can be read in two different ways. And so it could be read as a story about a woman named Esther and how she saved her own people, the Jewish people, from destruction. Or it can be read as we've been doing, like it's a treasure box. And that that if we unlock this treasure box, that we're going to get out of this wonderful teachings and principles about God. But attesting to the fact that it's all hidden treasure about God is the fact that this book, along with one other book, the Song of Solomon, are the only two books in the Bible that do not have the name of God in it. But there's so much about God but you have to see. And so that's what we do here. We look for the hidden treasure, and we've seen in this book so far that the Jewish people had a great, great enemy named Haman. And we saw how the Jewish people had... This man named Haman and he was an enemy. We saw that in Esther chapter 3 verse 6 where it says that he thought to lay scorn he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone not just alone for they had showed him the people of Mordecai wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus even the people of Mordecai. And the remarkable thing about that is the fact that compared to All the Jewish people, Mordecai in the palace there, compared to all the rest of the Jewish people that were in existence in a kingdom that stretched from Ethiopia all the way to India. That's a massive kingdom. There was relatively just a very small number of Jewish people that even knew the name of Haman, much less that he was their mortal enemy. Most of the Jewish people living at the time had no idea that they had an enemy in Shushan the palace named Haman. Now today, Haman's a very well-known name among the Jewish people, but at that time he was not known among the Jewish people. And they just went about their life as normal. They just went about their life minding their own business. They just went about their life and and, and they didn't know about a person named Haman and they didn't care about a person named Haman. And for the majority of the Jewish people, they just wanted to be left alone just to live their life in peace and security and left alone to just go about their own business. But whether they knew about Haman or not did not change the fact that Haman was their mortal enemy. And as soon soon they were going to find out about this man named Haman, but that's like the Jewish people today, and really all the people today. All the Jewish people have an enemy, and all people have an enemy named Satan, not Haman, Satan. And and most Jewish people, and most people, they don't really believe there's a real person named Satan. I mean, most people think Satan's just a myth, most people a storybook character. Someone you think about maybe when you buy a box of Red Hots, right, <laughs> candies. And you look at the little spicy gummy chews there and you see the face of the devil there and you eat them. Yeah. So other people just joke, joke about the devil. And, you know, look at me, I'm going to eat the devil. And, or during Halloween. You know, kids dress up like Satan with costumes of horns and red and, 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 uh, and, and tail and pitchfork, and everybody has a good laugh. And for, for the majority of people today, that's how the devil is viewed. He's just a comical character. Ha, ha, ha. But what they, th- what they think about the devil does not in any way change the fact of the reality of Satan and that Satan is their enemy. And so the Bible makes no jokes about the devil, about Satan. Though unseen, he's a very real character, a very real person. He is revealed to us in Isaiah fourteen thirteen, where we understand, we learn that it says that he said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will cast, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. And I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the, the size of the north. So he's disclosed to us. We understand in this verse that this person who's so filled with pride that he says within his heart, he believes that he can actually accomplish the dethroning of God. He aspires to ascend up into heaven. And he says that he's going to exalt himself above the stars of God. And he's going to sit over the congregation of beings. But the Lord Jesus Christ also told us that he saw. He said, he said I saw Satan. He said in Luke 10, 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So now the enemy of man realizes that that he cannot attack God directly, so he set his sights on what God's interests are. He sets his sights on what God loves. And what does God love? God loves man. And that's the picture that's portrayed for us. When we open the Bible and we turn to Genesis chapter 3 and we see Satan emerging out of nowhere. Where did he come from? We don't know. But he's there in the garden as a serpent. And he's, he's lying to Eve. He's saying to Eve, God is a liar. God says you'll die if you sin. You shall not surely die in Genesis 3, 4. For God doth know. God has other intentions, ultimate ulterior motives, which are bad for you. He says, God doth know in the day you eat thereof, your eyes are going to be opened and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. See, he injects these thoughts and encourages man, as he did there, to defy God. He encourages man to call God a liar. He encourages man to sin against God. And become like the devil, separated from God. And so as far as the Jewish people are concerned, the devil, especially, especially the devil, they don't, they don't really take seriously. But he's the enemy of the Jewish people, especially of the Jewish people. Why? Because of what Moses told the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 7.7 7, when he said, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But what he was saying there is that the Lord did set his love upon you. He set his love upon you because he loves you, because of something himself. But the point is, he set, he placed, he focused his love upon the Jewish people. So God, when, when he said that... Satan knows that, that God has especially set his love on the Jewish people. For that reason, the devil has especially set his hatred on the Jewish people to destroy the Jewish people. So what we're reading about in the book of Esther is Satan's especial hatred focused on the Jewish people. And what the devil wants to do with the Jewish people is seen in Balak, when he tried to persuade Balaam, as we've seen in Numbers 22, when that whole history, 22.6, when he, Balak says to Balaam, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me, per I shall prevail, so forth. He says, curse me, this people. That's the devil's intention. Working through these people, Balak and Balaam. The Jewish people had an enemy in Balaam who was up on the mountain. They were down in the valley. They had no idea that there was a Balaam and a Balaam up on the mountain talking about cursing them. They didn't know. And the Jewish people in the day of Esther, they had an enemy in Haman and they knew nothing about Haman. They knew nothing about what his intentions were. And we all have an enemy in Satan. Now, we saw also how this enemy, even though it was unknown to the Jewish people, this enemy, Haman, he had access to the king. He had access to the king. In Esther 3.1, we saw, after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hammedatha the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above the princes that were with him. And so we saw how it's one thing to have an enemy, of the Jewish people, it's a dangerous thing to have the enemy have access to the king. And in the same way, it's one thing for all men to have an enemy, a dan- an enemy called Satan. It's totally a very different thing, a very dangerous thing, if Satan has access to God. And that's exactly what we find in Job 1.6, where we read, "...and there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord." And Satan came also among them. Now, we've seen also in the book of Esther that not only were the Jewish people not aware that they had an enemy named Haman, not only were the Jewish people not aware that their enemy had access to the king, but the Jewish people were not aware that Haman was using this access to the king to plan the destruction of the Jewish people. As it says in in Esther 3, 8-11, where it says, Haman said unto the king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. In other words, he said, they're very different. They have a lot of different traditions, that's for sure. Anyway, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it's not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took off his ring... Took his ring from Maas hand and gave it unto Haman the son of Hamatha the Agite, the Jews' enemies. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee; the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. So, Haman, what we saw here was he's using his access to the king to malign the Jewish people who were not even there to defend themselves. And he, when he says these words, you know, there is this certain people to create suspicion. We can see him doing that. Scattered and abroad and dispersed among the people to create fear. Oh, they're potential traitors. They're all throughout the land. These different people see he knows exactly what he's doing. In all the provinces of thy kingdom. Oh, there's no province that I have that is not in danger of these people. And their laws are diverse from all people. They don't blend in, king. Neither keep they the king's laws. They don't obey king. So Haman is using, what we see here, is using his access into the king to malign the Jewish people, to create suspicion against them, to create fear, uh, uh, fear of them. And then he uses this access to the king to persuade the king to destroy the Jewish people. And he says, it's not for the king's prophet to suffer them. And all the while, the Jewish people, this is amazing thing. All this is going on. Jewish people have no idea. They're absolutely clueless to what's going on here. It's, they're just going about their own business. They're minding their own business. They're, they're buying and selling and doing all the things Jewish people do. And, the, and all of this is happening behind closed doors. They're being severely maligned. They're being accused. A storm is brewing and they have no idea. And the enemy... The enemy of man, the enemy of the Jewish people, the enemy of man, Satan, is using his access to God to malign and to accuse each man. Each man. And those men we're not there to defend ourselves. Man's not there to defend himself. And we see this in Job 1, 8-11, where it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil, then Satan answered and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. So, we see him here, and we see him, we see first of all the Lord speaking well of his servants, but then we see Satan doing the same thing that Haman was doing, maligning them, accusing them, saying it's only because they're so protected. It's only because they're so privileged. It's only because you've made a protection around them, a hedge around them. That's why they follow you. But put them to the test and they'll curse you to your face. And so not only did the Jewish people not know that there was a person named Haman and that Haman was their enemy and that Haman had access to the king, and Haman was using his access to the king to malign and accuse them. But the Jewish people were also not aware that Haman was working very hard overtime, double time, at getting the Jewish people destroyed. It says in Esther 3.9 when he says, If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business. That amount of money represented millions of dollars in today's currency. Haman was willing to pay a lot of money to get the Jewish people destroyed. He was working very, very hard to get the Jewish people destroyed. And in the same way, the enemy of the Jewish people, the enemy of all people, the devil is working very hard to get men into a place of eternal destruction called hell. And we can see how hard he is working when he proposed to God to allow Job to be tried with suffering because he challenged God when he said in Job 1.11, But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And we can see how hard Satan is working against us. When we read things like in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his strategies. We're not ignorant of his, his plans and his goals and how he wants to go about to accomplish that. He's working very hard against us. Not only did the Jewish people not know that there was a man named Haman, and that Haman was their enemy, and that Haman had access to the king, and that Haman was using his access to the king to malign and accuse them, and Haman was working very hard to get the Jewish people destroyed. But the Jewish people were also not aware that Haman had succeeded in getting a decree from the king to destroy the Jewish people. We saw that in Esther 3, 10 and 11. And the king took off his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hammedatha the Yahagite, the Jews' enemy. And the king said unto him, And the silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. So there was a decree that was put in place which called for the destruction of the Jewish people. That was in force. And the Jewish people knew nothing about it. They didn't have any idea what had already taken place. They couldn't appeal. They couldn't stop before the ring went off the king's hand. It was all done behind closed doors. And in the same way, with each sin that we do, we break God's law, the law of God. And with each sin that we do, we add to our crime sheet. And in our lives, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer. And when Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That means the soul that sins once shall die. One sin is enough for it to cause death. One sin is enough to keep a person out of heaven and to send him to hell. And if we're asked, if we sin, of course, all of us would say, of course, everyone sins. I sin. We sin. And if we're asked, well, how many times? I don't know. If we ask, well, do you think you sin at least once a day? I said, well, yeah, I'm sure I've sinned once a day. And you say, well, okay, let's say let's say let's say, let's say, let's say I'm 35 years old. I'm not 35 years <laughs> old. Say I'm 35 years old. <laughs> And if I subtract thirteen years for the age of accountability, and that means that I've sinned uh, once a day for twenty-two years, and that means that there's over seven, there's over eight thousand reasons why I should not go to heaven and be cast into hell. And in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, which the Old Testament, which is contained in the part of the Bible called the Old Testament, but the part called the Old Testament, contains plenty of the New Testament. I wouldn't have named it the Old Testament, but nobody asked me, so, you know, what can I do? (laughs) Anyway, but the Old Testament, not to be confused with the book, the Old Agreement, the Old Testament, is the Old Covenant, which said, if you keep the Ten Commandments, if you keep the law of God, then you'll live. That's the Old Testament, and that's the Old Covenant, that's the Law Covenant. The Law Covenant. The New Testament, or the New Covenant, says God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, kept the Law for us, and then He took all of our sins, all that was on that crime sheet, on Him, and He died for our sins, so that if we cry to God for mercy... And receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we are saved and will live. That's called the New Testament. That's called the New Covenant, or the Mercy Covenant. The Mercy Covenant. The so old one is the Law Covenant. New one's the Mercy Covenant. The Law Covenant is in force, and, when, and because of our sins, the Law Covenant is against us. Because it says in Colossians two fourteen, when He died for us, He blotted out. What was in existence and what was in existence called the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, against us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In that verse, we see the law covenant. We see the mercy covenant. The law covenant is the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, is contrary to us. The mercy covenant is the blotting of it away is the taking of it out of the way, is the nailing it to his cross.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource for this month from Tom Cantor is called How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53. And it's a uniquely written gospel presentation and will also include Tom Cantor's personal testimony of how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll receive both of these For a $10 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. And for every donation that we receive, you receive a matching donation of equal value from Israel Restoration Ministries towards Jewish evangelism outreach. And we've reached in the past three years well over five million lost Jewish people with the gospel, especially here in the United States. Now, to order your copies of How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53 and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the testimony of Tom Cantor, and you'll also get that matching donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries and reaching Jewish people first with the gospel as we're commanded in Romans 1 16, just call us today at 1-800-247-3051, a donation of $10 or more, 1-800-247-3051. Your donation helps us to keep this Bible teaching radio program on the air, but also the gospel going out to the Jewish people first. So again, call us with your support today, 1-800-247-3051, and get these two works from Tom Cantor, 1-800-247-3051, one 800 247 3051. 1 800 247 3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.